Hello, everybody, and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed, and we have a special guest this week. Yay. Yes, we have Phil from uh, My Thing Can Beat Your Thing. That's me. I'm Phil. Yes. Um, If you don't know what My Thing Can Beat Your Thing is, it is a very funny podcast where they pit things against things. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) But, you know, it's very funny. Um, They do some absurd things. Like, I remember one episode was like 60% of Jason Statham versus the Loch Ness Monster. So it's not just like common things like, oh, Batman versus Superman. Yeah, we had, we did one once that was Spider-Man versus Ant-Man. And I don't know, I think if... not against the other people who do those things, but if you have a character that already has hundreds of things it can do, there's not a whole lot of funny that we could do with that. So we, we try and be as silly as possible. Yeah, and it works. Oh, thank you so much. If it wasn't working, we'd still do it. <laughs> so this week, we, clo- we uh, covered Clone High. So Clone High technically did air all of its episodes, but not in the United States. Uh, MTV pulled it after controversy regarding the Gandhi character. Yeah, that's kind of the the presiding theory, I think. I don't know that anyone's ever specifically said what it was, but I think that's the kind of what's in all of our canon in the world of, of why we assume that happened, which really bums me out because, I don't know, he's not a terribly offensive version of Gandhi, yeah, and it's not like they pinpointed Gandhi. Like, all of these characters are, like, extreme caricatures of who they're supposed to be. Yeah, like, if you ask me, there's a, one of the episodes where they do the old-fashioned, and I know we're going to get, like, really into it in a minute, but they have a kind of an old-fashioned greasers-esque car race, and whoever wins gets the girl. And at the end of the episode, JFK, John F. Kennedy, goes... Nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys. And then his car flips over. <laughs> and like, to me, if you're making fun of an assassination, that's a little more offensive than Gandhi having ADD. But I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, even in the, I think it was the first episode or the second. I've only watched the first two episodes. Fair warning. But uh, there's a scene where they're in a diner called the Grassy Knoll. Yep. And Abe, Abraham Lincoln, is sitting right next to a picture of the real Abraham Lincoln's assassination. (laughs) You know, the the little subtle details that they kind of throw in there. Yeah, so this show was uh, made by Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Bill Lawrence. Some really funny guys. Uh, If you don't know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are behind the 21 and 22 Jump Street movies, as well as the Lego movie. And Bill Lawrence is behind Scrubs, among many other shows. Yep, and actually, probably, I'm not going to say every, but every character from Scrubs is in an episode of Clone High somewhere. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of Donald Faison in the two episodes I was I was watching. Yep, Donald Faison is Joan of Arc's blind foster dad, Toots. Uh, the janitor from Scrubs is Julius Caesar. You've got Sarah Chalk, who is Elliot. She's Marie Antoinette. Zach Braff is Paul Revere. Uh, Mandy Moore, I don't know if she counts, but she's in an episode. John C. McGinley, who is uh, Dr. Cox, he's the creepy trucker from an episode. And then Bill Lawrence himself is actually in an episode, too. So it's that's pretty much, other than Carla, I guess that's pretty much everybody. 
And I believe uh, Krista Miller, his wife, who also plays Jordan in Scrubs, plays Cleopatra. Yep. Yeah. Why would I? <laughs> why would I skip that one? <laughs> one of the main characters. <laughs> yeah, that's my bad. Yeah, it's kind of a. And by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't remind you about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, that's true. And the Lego Movie. Those are both very, very good movies. Yes. And As someone it's... who admires puns, Glad You With a Chance Meatballs 2 is my holy grail. <laughs> See, I, I can't really buy into puns. I don't really say them, so I don't know about that. But uh, <laughs> for anyone that doesn't listen to my show yet, I'm all puns all the time. <laughs> all puns all the time was the alternate title of My Thing Can Beat Your Thing. Fun fact. That's not bad, actually. Write that down. That'll make Nick happy. Uh, <laughs> But I love, like, so many people that are famous now, you kind of go back and look at what the first thing that they did was, and it's like, eh, I could see why no one ever watched that. But for me, Clone High, this is my second favorite TV show of all time, and my first favorite animated show, and my apologies to Best Darn Diddley, but Clone High beats The Simpsons <laughs> any day of the week, Yeah, if you ask it me. I mean, quality-wise, it definitely holds up a lot better than some of the old Simpsons episodes. Ooh, oh. See, that's an interesting stand. Usually people like to bash the new Simpsons. You're going hot takes, and you're bashing the old Simpsons. I mean, some of the old Simpsons, like season one. Okay, the one where Homer... Hello, I'm Homer. Yeah, where he sounds like he's got peanut butter on the roof of his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) They voice Homer in the same way they get Mr. Ed to talk. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. A uh, little known fact, Mr. Ed filled in for Dan Castellaneta in the first couple episodes. Wow. Man, yeah. you guys are way educational. Oh, yeah. Here here I thought you're just talking about TV shows that didn't air, but you're educating the masses. Well, you can't spell education without Ed. Yep. Yep. I ran <laughs> through. I See, I always start spelling word from the very middle. So I was like, U-C-A-T, and then I came all the way around and got the Ed. I mean, that's how I was taught to spell. (laughs) Look, efficiency is whatever works best for you. People don't realize efficiency is a relative term. It is. You ever think about that every once in a while when you're trying to go to bed? I think of that exclusively every night before I go to bed. See, that's not an efficient way. Well, see, I'm doing it to you, see? Yeah. I'm gaslighting you. I'm making you think it's one way and then changing your mind right during the middle of it. I apologize. I shouldn't have done that to you. You fall asleep however you want to fall asleep. You know what I mean? Upside down, leaning off the bed, hanging from the ceiling. Is that true? That is 100% false. Oh, (laughs) okay. Well, I appreciate your commitment to that. Right away it was wrong. (laughs) I threw myself under the bus. Well, that's uh, that's how I go to sleep, so Ah. I get it. Listen, if you get hit by a bus, you're going to sleep right away. Oh, yeah. Plus, like, it's nice and warm under there. I mean, how could you not? That's true. You know what? How come they don't make... You know, they have heated blankets. Why don't they make heated pillows? Oh, that's a good idea. Well, I guess because everyone wants the cold side of the pillow, right? No one would ever buy my heated pillow. I mean, except for, like, winter. And then every every April 3rd, your sales are just going to drop to zero. Wait, what? Every every year, April 3rd. Uh-huh. On the dot. Nobody buys them anymore because it's summer and spring. Oh, I see. See, I live in Texas, so we only have summer all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how people react. <laughs> so, uh... Anyway, Clone High. <laughs> so, the cast is pretty stellar. As we mentioned before, a lot of the Scrubs cast makes their way onto the show. Um, we have Will Forte playing Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Michael McDonald plays Gandhi, which I could not, like, visually see that. His voice is so different from that, like, at least in my mind. Yeah, I remember... Because I, I remember watching Clone High when it first came out, and they were new. I saw the first episode and watched it all the way through. And I remember seeing interviews with him and going, no, no, someone's playing a joke on me. This isn't right. <laughs> but he, man, he nails it. He does. Uh, who else was there? Oh, Nicole Sullivan plays Joan of Arc, who is Abraham Lincoln's best friend, along yes. with Gandhi. And the, the will they, won't they of the show. Yep, they're the Ross and Rachel. <laughs> yes, if the whole show took place during their break. Exactly. <laughs> I think and the first it... line of the show is Abe saying we were on a break. Yep, that's true. But like kind of screaming it in a nasally voice. Yep. And then he gets a monkey. Why do people like friends? It's like mindless. You can just throw I throw it on when I need to go to sleep. See, that's not a that's not a resounding endorsement for something. Like I've had people tell me, I love putting on your podcast when I go to sleep. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll be the first to tell you not to. We need all of those brain waves. <laughs> yeah. Well, your thing is so boring and uninteresting. It puts me right to sleep. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. So um, the show starts off with Abe and Gandhi. They're walking to school. And Abe's like, hey, this year's going to be different. I'm taller. I have bigger sideburns. And then Joan of Arc shows up. And uh, Gandhi goes to give her a high five. He goes, up top. She says, don't touch me. Walks by him. And then he goes, too slow. Puts his hand down. <laughs> so we immediately get a sense of who Gandhi is in this show. Yes. And who Joan of Arc is. She's our, our archetype, uh, like Daria. Pretty much. Which makes sense. It's MTV. Fair enough. Got me there. Yeah. So she sees Abe and she goes, oh, Abe, you got taller. And Gandhi stares at her tits and says, oh, you got breasts. <laughs> and then there's a few different breast references, breast references, as I call them. Pretty good. And she uh, says, I wish I could have seen you more over the summer, but I was at camp. And Gandhi says, was it a breast camp? <laughs> that was my favorite one. Uh-huh. And I forget what the joke was, but... She says something along the lines of, wow, nobody around here has grown. And Gandhi stares at her breasts and she punches him and says, you were thinking it. And he says, yeah, I was. Yep. And this is our first kind of peek into the recurring over the top slapstick humor that we're going to see throughout the show. People get hit. They grab them by the arm and swing them and slam them on the ground and hit by all kinds of things it's like because every aspect of the show what i think is so perfect about it is every aspect of the show is a parody of something you know you have your standard after school special that's kind of the obvious overarching parody but the over the top slapstick some of the most clever writing i think that there's ever been and just i don't want to give too much away because i'm hoping this inspires people because maybe netflix will bring me back a another season or something but it's 
everything is just so perfectly finely crafted and you get it right away. Just like you said, you know exactly who Gandhi is, you know exactly who Joan of Arc is, and then you get her just straight up punching him in the face within the first two minutes of the show. Really sets the tone, I think, in a beautiful way. Oh, yeah. it's And, like, one of the things I've noticed, too, the sound effects in this show are still, like, borderline good that it's funny. Like, they're, <laughs> like, just on the cusp of being a good sound effect. Yes. But it works. Yes. the uh, You can tell the Foley artists, I think, had some fun with this one. Oh, yeah. Big time. That's my dream job, by the way. Foley artist? Yeah. Doesn't that sound, I don't know. Something about slapping raw meat against your thigh to get that perfect sound is really appealing to me. I mean, no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade. I'm not going to crush on your dreams. You can You can slap whatever you want against your thighs. Let's really unpack what you just said and pretended that it was a normal thing that you said. No what? tea, no shade, no pink lemonade? Yes. Okay. I'm an older man, so if this is some sort of Rihanna lyric, you'll have to fill me in. Oh, I wouldn't know. I don't... I didn't say umbrella. That's the only thing I know about Rihanna. Okay. <laughs> that, so, <laughs> so the song Umbrella is the only thing you know about Rihanna? As far as I know, that's all she's done. Okay. And all that's been done to her, you can't think of a single news story. I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, didn't she like... Didn't she smack Michael Sarah in a movie once? Yep. Yep. That's what I was referring to. Oh, yeah. She did no. it for real. He he made her do it. It's true. A little fun fact for everyone. Poor little baby Michael Sarah. You know, it's interesting because he could be 12 or 40. It's true. He could fit in as a high school character or he could fit in as a high school character trying to be an adult. Like on a scale of one to Andy Milanakis, where do you think he is? Oh, he's like, I'd say he's two steps down from Milanakis. Yeah. Do you think if you put a B on his head, you would be allowed to call him a B head? I think so. Okay. But maybe not a P. I don't think he'd not go a, for the P. Yeah, not a P head for sure. Exactly. Okay. Now we know where we stand on Michael Sarah. Now we know where he falls in the Sarah meter. <laughs> yeah. Or the serometer. See, I was going to say serometer. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's that geographical, regional pr- pronunciation differences, so... Of course. If you're up <laughs> in the east, you say serometer. If you're down mm-hmm. south in Texas, it's serometer. It's like you guys say odometer for the, to see how fast you're going, right? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. like how we call soda fizzy bubbly water. Hmm. See, I've heard pop before. What's pop? Pop is what other northerners call coke i don't understand the reference Mm, all right well see for us in texas we call everything coke oh that's confusing yeah you're like give me a coke and they'll be like what what kind you'll be like sprite uh see like if they were just like give me a coke and they say what kind i'd say cherry and hope Mm. that they have cherry coke on tap and not that they're just gonna bring you a bowl of cherries god i hope so do you think Jerry Coke is the best Coke? I, I like to think so. Hmm. Hmm. Because I like the cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper, but they never did that with Coke, did they? I don't think so. There's a market. Hey, Coke. You put coffee. Yeah, you, like you put coffee in Coke. Why not put cherry vanilla in the Coke? It's simple. Have you had that yet? Because I just saw that for the first time. I haven't, but it's intrigued me. And I'm yeah. not sure if I want it. 
I, I just burned myself very recently with putting coffee in non-coffee things because I read this article about all these people that are putting yogurt in their coffee and it's supposed to make it smooth and delicious. I normally just drink my coffee black. Um, I like it as I like my men. And I, like I put the yogurt in there and I don't know how much yogurt to put. So I just put a whole bunch of it and then I tasted it and it was like super tangy, like hot yogurt. And I was like, no... I don't, I don't care for this. So Coke and uh, coffee, I don't know. None of this is on, on track, and that's what I do, and I apologize for that. Oh, no, believe me. It's fine. Oh, like, good. It, this happens a lot. <laughs> How come no one's ever made another flavored ginger ale? That's a good question. Well, you know what? I, I actually think they have cherry ginger ale. Cherry ginger ale? Is it good? I've never had it. I know that they have it, though. They being hmm. the grocery store. They oh, big grocery. <laughs> big grocery owns it. <laughs> yeah. If anyone finds some cherry ginger ale, send it. Uh, send it my way. P.O. Box five. Yep, he was in early in the P.O. Box system. <laughs> he got the fifth one. Uh, every day I ask P.O. Box one if I can have it. He tells me no. Yeah, I mean, you only got like a few more years before he croaks it. If only, am I right? Yeah. Uh, P.O. Box one jerk let's send all our hate mail to p.o box, box one, one. <laughs> yeah. rally, rally the listeners everyone write a letter send it to p.o box one say we demand you give phil p.o box one there hashtag phil's number one i like that but the thing is you have to write number one you can't put the hashtag in the middle of it because that'll screw up the whole hashtag Oh, I didn't even think about that. And don't put an apostrophe in Phil's. Even though it's grammatically correct to do so, it'll break your hashtag. Exactly. Man, Twitter's hard, right? I know. Ugh, no thank you. I wish I could just write out letters to all of my followers and send them out. I wish everybody was still on that MySpace grind, am I right? Yeah, I miss Tom dearly. I wonder what he's doing now. I wonder what he's doing now, and I wonder what he sounds like. That's true. I've never actually heard Tom from MySpace. Because I feel like he's got, like, the voice that we're both picturing in our head is probably very similar, and it's probably 100% accurate. Yeah. I See, I think it could go two ways. It could go like a, hi, I'm Tom from MySpace <laughs> kind of voice, just to, like, throw you off. Or it's just like a, hey, I'm Tom from MySpace. Oh, see, I was thinking, hey, everybody, I'm Tom. Oh, so you see him as, like, a Barry White Jr. type of When thing. I see him, like, looking over his left shoulder at me, giving me that thumbs up, I'm like, that guy's smooth as butter. You know what else is smooth as butter? Ooh, um, I'm gonna say margarine? Damn. You got it. <sighs> yes! I love trivia games. I'm so good at them. What is my prize? Um, your prize is that... You get to talk about Clone High. Oh, yes. So after they talk about Joan's boobs, <laughs> then this is where they introduce us to Joan's love for Abe, Abe's love for Cleopatra, and that the brief insight that is never mentioned again, Gandhi and Cleopatra used to live together very briefly. Yeah, like he w they were both in the same foster home for 10 years, and then Cleopatra's just like, Hey, um, he's hurting my image. Get rid of him. Yep. And then we get our first guest star, because every episode has a guest star. Did you pick out who it was? 
without cheating. The guest star for this episode, oh geez. Was it John Stamos? Wait, no, that's the season finale. Damn it. I can tell that you're cheating based on your guess. (laughs) (laughs) It was, Gandhi tells us that he gave one of his kidneys to Cleopatra. The remaining kidney says, I miss him. That's Michael J. Fox. That was Michael J. Fox. Yep. Oh, man. And that's his only line. Was that like pre-shake Michael J. Fox? Uh, This came out 2002, so maybe not maybe he wasn't full-on shake but like a subtle gyration he was like he was like tremors with kevin bacon yeah yeah that was the phase (laughs) where he watched that movie every day right but haven't we all been in that phase well it's in his biography shaken not stirred by michael fox that is that I feel no. like that's probably real. Is I, that not real? I, God, I hope not. <laughs> I'd rather I, not get a cease and desist. <laughs> I feel like the Michael J. Fox jokes are probably some of my favorite, most tasteless jokes that exist. Well, I mean, here's the thing. He did a whole TV show where like at least like 25% of the jokes were Parkinson's jokes. So yeah. I, I feel like he's kind of like broken that barrier. He also was on Curb Your Enthusiasm on the most not the current season but the last one and they had to go back and forth on if what he was doing was parkinson's or what he was doing was aggressive gestures towards larry david so (laughs) i could see him being okay with it yeah michael j fox tweet at us if you uh are offended by our jokes if you are not offended at our jokes send uh send us some stuff at p.o box five yeah like just money yeah you got he's got He's got plenty. How, do my, how much money do you think Michael J. Fox currently makes? At least like ten fifty an hour. That's probably minimum wage over there. So yeah. at least that. <laughs> so in your world, he's like a bag boy? I mean, I'm going prices right rules. I'm going the lowest possible. Uh, but what if he's a waiter? Then he would make 213. Damn. Well, I just got to hope that you don't guess 213. I'm going to go ahead and lock in 213. Shit. <laughs> now, are we counting tips? Uh, it depends, because like any good waiter, he probably only claims half of them. That's true. So I guess, I guess no, because there would just be no way to know. Poor Michael J. Fox. Yeah, poor, rich, nice guy. More past rich. Because what is... I mean, other than these TV spots, like Back to the Future, his last thing that he would have been making money from? Uh, Spin City, I think. Oh, yeah. Spin City was fun, wasn't it? That was, until Charlie Sheen showed up. You don't like Charlie Sheen? I mean, he's no Michael J. Fox. Well, that's true. You want to compile a list of people that aren't Michael J. Fox? All right, so Charlie Sheen. Shaq. Emilio Estevez. Uh, 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 Wilford Brimley. Martin Sheen. I'm starting to sense a pattern here, Uh, but I'm going to go with, uh, uh, Ralph Nader. Beyonce. See, I knew you were going to say Beyonce. I knew it. Is it weird how hard it was for me to just come up with a name? Yeah, when you get put on the spot like that, it kind of sucks sometimes. Because we never even specified celebrities. I could have said me. You could have. 
Oh, I'm so stupid. You, I ruined uh, your whole show. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, I'll oh. send the I'll send all the hate mail to PO Box One. <laughs> Great. In the future, when someone says, "I'm sorry, I ruined your show," then you just say something like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> but but I appreciate your candor. That was very nice of you. I want to go on record to say Phil did not ruin unaired episode thirty-five, four. I don't know what number this is. Whichever one mm. he didn't he didn't ruin one of those. So. Where were we? <laughs> we were three minutes into the first episode. <laughs> At, let's check the time. Uh, 24 minutes runtime. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Maybe we'll, we'll just crush through these real quick. Alrighty. So then um, the first episode, they have a party and Abe volunteers to bring the beer and then he gets Genghis Khan to try and get the beer for him, but Genghis Khan's dumb and he can't get it. Yeah, and... that was one of my favorite exchanges, though, because he says, like, okay, Genghis Khan, when they ask you, are you 21? Say yes. He goes into the first place. <laughs> are you 21? He just stands there, says nothing. <laughs> Hard cut to them outside of a gas station. And Abe's like, okay, Genghis Khan, let's try this. Are you 21? Yes. Are you 21? No. <laughs> and then the next scene... They're in another uh, liquor store. He has a sign around his chest that says, I am 21. And the cashier says, I can see you're 21. Yes. He walks away, comes back. I am not 21. Yeah. I love that Genghis Khan, man. He's like some of the characters make sense. And then some of the characters make no sense at all. And those are the ones that I prefer. Yeah. Fun fact that uh, Genghis Khan is voiced by Phil Lord. Yes. Another fun fact, in the uncensored version, he has a t-shirt that says Free Tibet, but he doesn't have it in the (laughs) other versions. Well, I definitely, definitely did not watch the uncensored version then. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's all the subtleties, right? So then uh, Gandhi says, well, if, you know, just tell them they heard you wrong. Tell them you said you'd get the beards and then Abe says, that doesn't make any sense. And then Gandhi says, but if you think about it, it'd still be a pretty sweet party. And then it cuts to a party and everyone has beards. And the guy goes, this is the best party ever. Thanks, Gandhi. Yeah, that was also one of my favorite bits. <laughs> and then uh, Joan wants everyone to join the suicide hotline. And then we meet Andy Dick, one of Andy Dick's characters. He's the first failed human clone, Mr. Sheepman. Because he's crossed with sheep DNA, and then he <laughs> shaves his own wool off to get ready for the summer or ready for the weekend. Sorry. Um, he also plays Andy Dick. Also plays the cop who will eventually break up the party, and then they have to tell everyone that it was non-alcoholic beer. And then the cop calls Abe a loser. Yep. <laughs> but the pot stickers were made with real crab. That's, That's important true. to know. And then JFK says, get off my dinghy. But he means boat. Yes, because Gandhi's standing on the dinghy, and there's a woman (laughs) on JFK's lap, and he says, get off my dinghy. And then the woman starts standing up and goes, not you. (laughs) The JFK is basically the best JFK impression. 100%. When I I was telling my uh, twin brother about this show, I did that impression, and he said, why are you doing Mayor Quimby from Simpsons? And I said, you shut your face. Yeah, that was the only thing you could say in that scenario. Yeah, he. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, because you do you do shut your face. That is something that you do. Yes, 100%. It's been known to happen. Then episode two is where they run for student class president. Yes, this was the only other episode I watched. <laughs> and Cleopatra is sad because she can't run for another term. So she devises this plan that her boyfriend JFK is going to run for her and abolish the student terms, then resign, and then she can take over. But Abe Lincoln, he's like, you know what? I'm very presidential, so I'm going to run for student body president. Yep. And then he gets sponsored by, uh, oh no, the name's going to escape me, something extreme. I think it's like Blue Extreme or something like that. That's it. The X is for extreme. And it's blue house paint and pancake batter and a squeeze bottle and gandhi gets addicted to it and then we have our second guest star this is where you jump in oh second guest star (laughs) oof hold on let me think can you give me a hint he is a singer and a doctor singer and a doctor michael bolton doctor of love close marilyn manson Oh, yeah, I'm stupid. That was the obvious one, too, because, like, he literally plays himself. Yep. And that song, the Food Pyramid song, is so good. It is very good. I have the whole thing still memorized and occasionally will sing it to myself when I'm feeling blue. Much like Gandhi was looking at the end of the episode. See what we did there as a team? That's pretty good. That's called Yes And. (laughs) What kind (laughs) of... Well, see, I didn't yes and your yes and just then, and I apologize for that. You know what? I forgive you. Man, this is not only a great show about TV, but a great show about forgiveness. The more you know. Boom, boom, boom. Are we allowed to do that? I don't know. NBC, come at me. I don't care. (laughs) NBC, please just acknowledge I exist. That would be a win for me. You haven't returned my letters, NBC. Oh, I like the idea that you're writing NBC in order for them to come get you. Well, I think the mistake is that I keep sending them to P.O. Box 1 by accident. See, there's where you went wrong. Yeah. And then episode three, this is where we find out Gandhi has ADD, incurable disease. You get it from toilet seats, use the protective sheets. And Cleopatra hosts an open mouth kissing booth because it's so much more open than closed mouth kissing. Well, then, I, I'm sure the Foley artists had a wonderful time with that. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I assume they just stirred macaroni and cheese. Oh, man. Have you ever seen that video where some guy walks up to his mom, she's stirring mac and cheese, and he goes, that's what good pussy sounds like, and she uh, smacks no, him? No, why would I watch that video? Oh, because it's... I, uh, I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> I don't... Good save. Yeah. And then we have our third guest star of the season who is all of the california raisins very very close it's tom green oh i didn't know he made an appearance he's the spokesperson for add and he wrote a book but he hasn't read his own book because people with add aren't good readers that makes sense Mm-hmm. and then he jumps out the window oh okay <laughs> Yep. And then at the end of the episode, Abe open mouth kisses Gandhi because the angry mob's discomfort for a man kissing another man is stronger than their discomfort for a boy with ADD. 
You know, that speaks a lot to America. Doesn't it? This show had so much relevance. was so ahead of its time. Thank you. And then our next episode was the Film Fest. This was a really good one where Abe uh, makes a, I guess, kind of Air Bud-esque parody about a giraffe who plays football. And George Washington Carver and Gandhi make a buddy cop movie called Black and Tan. And then Joan of Arc makes a weird, like, David Lynch meets The Ring-esque movie that nobody understands except Sigmund Freud. And doesn't JFK, like, try and make something but just never does it? Yeah, he just ends up banging everybody on the casting couch. Yep. And Cleopatra makes a real big epic movie directed by Ang Lee. Now, is this real Ang Lee or clone Ang Lee? It is real Ang Lee. Okay. Mm-hmm. Important distinction to make and a great question. Thank you. You're very welcome. This was pre-Hulk Ang Lee, so this was like before the downfall. Oh, Ang Lee's Hulk is hands down one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh. They really, really nailed the Hulk's superpower of changing size at will and sometimes being the size of a person and sometimes being bigger than a house. You know what I love is when Nick Nolte shows up and he just he just wandered on set that day. They just they just didn't know what to do, so they just went with it. Because he's awesome? Of course. See, there you go. And then, see how I'm blasting through these? I'm doing pretty good, right? You are. You're doing fantastic. Then this is the aforementioned um racing j- drag race style racing for pinks except instead of pinks as in papers it's pink as in cleopatra oh and you see what i did there it's gross almost as gross as the kissing sound effects <laughs> almost um and then mr butlertron meets his arch nemesis Scangrade, who uh is a machine that's used to grade scantron tests JFK wrecks his car, and Abe wins, um, but battles with sleep, not Natia. What is it called when you don't sleep? Uh, insomnia. That's it. I was close with sleep, <laughs> sleep Natia. That's, uh, that's my cousin, sleep Natia. Really? Yeah. Oh, she sounds, he sounds great. She. Okay. See, Natia made me think she, but sleep, I don't know, for some reason it seemed... Like a he? Well, sleep is just the prefix. Oh. Oh, yeah, because in your family, everyone's name has a prefix. I forgot about yeah. that. Like, <laughs> I'm Sar Ed. My brother is Jor-El. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. You know, I like my names like I like my menus. Prefix. Uh, <laughs> and then we have the homecoming episode where Joan dresses up like a man to be on the basketball team and goes by the name John Dark. And then Cleopatra falls in love with her. And uh, a dolphin. There's a dolphin in every episode, by the way. I should have put that at the beginning. Was the dolphin in the first episode in the pool at the party? Yes. Okay. And you'll usually hear it before you see it. You'll do that weird... See how I nailed that dolphin sound effect? You did. <laughs> I, I honestly thought you just took your cell phone, put it up to your microphone, and hit play on that YouTube video. Oh, yeah, that that YouTube video, the one we all know 
Yeah, the one where the one where the kid goes up to his mom who's stirring macaroni. Right. And it's going <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the one where uh actually Angel from O Town, which was super funny in two thousand and two and is funny for a very different reason now. Um he guest stars and this has some of my favorite little kind of bits in it with uh them chasing each other through the airport terminal ashley angel being completely hairless from the eyebrows down (laughs) abe's voice controlled vcr that can zoom in and rewind and call cleo's mom and then we've got our kind of looney tunes parody where principal scudworth is getting harassed by a skunk who goes try and catch me bitch that's his catchphrase (laughs) And then at the end, the skunk gets replaced with a crab that says, you got crabs, ass face. And so it's kind of a, he ends up like putting dynamite in his mouth, thinking it's bacon and it blows half his face off. It's like really intense Looney Tune parody. It's great stuff. Next one's my favorite episode. This is the rock opera episode where Jack Black guest stars, which makes sense, right? Oh, of course. Now does Jack Black sing? Yes, the whole thing, the whole episode is a musical. I'm going to binge through this whole series just to get to that one episode. Please do. The technology does not exist (laughs) for you to just go watch this episode. You have to binge through the whole thing. Of course. I still watch everything on VHS. You know what? That's pretty cool. Kudos to you. It's weird they're making new music on cassette tapes. That's the one I don't understand. Well, I mean, it's got that high-fidelity car audio quality. Hmm. You said a bad thing like it was a good thing, and I respect you for that. Thank you. <laughs> See, it's like it's like you got to put it down to, like, raise it up. I think that's what that uh, that song, You Raise Me Up, is about. By... You raise yeah. me up. That one? Yeah, that song. By yeah. our, 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 our favorite singer, whose name I 100% know. I'm pretty sure it starts with an M. Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Co- yep. Michael Keaton Buble. Right. <laughs> my he was great in Birdman the musical. Birdman the musical was my favorite musical of 2017. Is that true? It is. Wow, high praise. What other movie from 2017 would I love to see as a musical? Um, I feel like Thor Ragnarok. I haven't seen it yet because it's not out, but that would be a pretty cool musical. Yeah, with like a super dope 80 soundtrack. Exactly. Like Jeff s- Goldblum comes in, has his own song. Jeff Goldblum. Do, 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 do. I can't do synthesizer sounds. I'm a human person. That's true. Did you see Jeff Goldblum on the Graham Norton show? I think something might be wrong with him. He's crazy. Well, of course, he's Jeff Goldblum. He turned into a fly at one point. Isn't that interesting that the original fly sucks so much (laughs) i don't know if you've ever seen it but it's not good um but like the original fly he gets in the machine with the fly and he turns into a tiny little fly and he's like help me and then in the jeff goldblum version he turns into like a giant murderous fly that gets blasted apart by a shotgun at the end yeah a very gross looking fly yeah oh it's horrible but what i think is funny is in and like genuinely interesting, not like how I say everything's interesting. I think this is actually interesting. It's kind of a commentary on America's culture, right? Because 
way back in the day, you think about the original fly, you think about the Twilight Zone. Like, what was the peak of horror in the Twilight Zone? A dude loses his glasses, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah. the standout, <laughs> scariest thing that's ever happened in Twilight Zone. And the original flying, he turns into a little fly, and people are like, ah, he's small. He has to watch out for frogs, right? But then we remake it 20, 30, 50 years later, and he's a giant, grotesque fly monster because we don't, we can't deal with subtle scary anymore. We have to be so in your face as a, as a society with horror that we just have to full on jam him with gross. Isn't that interesting? That is. And it, like, or you it would be if I wasn't reading too far into it, is what you're trying to say. Oh, I thought you were going to say it would be if I wasn't reading off of Wikipedia, <laughs> which would have been far, far more bizarre if Wikipedia had an entry for that. Yeah, I would love Wikipedia to just turn into like one big op-ed piece where people just give their unwanted opinions on things. They uploaded Roger Ebert's consciousness into Wikipedia. Roger Ebert's an odd duck, right? Because... Like, I respect him, and I respect what he does, and he, the man knows film. You can't, you can't argue with that. But he's been through so many co-hosts and things, and he's, look, he's not looking great these days. Well, he's dead, so he's definitely not looking too great. Like I said. Um, <laughs> I'm back in 2002. See, I got in character to do this show. Oh, see, you're you're one of those method podcasters. See, Exactly. Um, so back in 2002, he wasn't looking so great, but he kept doing it. And I got to respect that. Oh, yeah. He was doing stuff until like the day he died. And I heard the day after. If you could Ouija board um, him to review one movie, what movie would you want him to review? Oh, geez. I'd force him to sit through Jack and Jill. <laughs> Because if he, if he like, made it to heaven, this would be his one slice of hell. Yeah. You're just begging for him to haunt you. Of course. Then he can review movies for me, so then I don't have to go see them. I'm planning, as soon as we end this, to check out Brawlin... What is it called? Brawlin' Cell Block 99? Yeah. Have you heard of this movie? I have heard of it. it I haven't seen it yet. Absurd. It's like a huge seven-foot-tall skinhead in prison who beats people up. It's supposed to be horribly graphic. But it's Vince Vaughn. Yeah, Vince Vaughn is one of those people where, like, he can only play one role, and that's the snarky every guy. Yeah, like, I'm really excited for him to be beating people up in prison and then talk really, really fast and call them bud and wink at them in classic Vince Vaughn fashion. The one clip I saw, he was, like, super over-choreographed kung fu fighting this guy in prison. They were both wearing the orange jumpsuits, and they were like, punching and blocking and kicking and reversing and then he punches him to the ground and steps on his head and then scrapes it across the ground and Jesus. then kicks him over and he's got like skeleton face <laughs> just scraped <laughs> all the skin off of it but that alone sold me because a vince vaughn is a skinhead is hilarious b why do these people in just the average prison know kung fu and then B, why do you think that him scraping his face across the ground will remove the entirety of the skin from forehead to chin? Man, that's just that Vince Vaughn logic right there. There you go. The logic that makes people think Wedding Crashers is a better movie than it is? Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. See, I can't wait for the cameo in Cell Block 99 where Vince Vaughn like, scrapes that dude's face 
And then Owen Wilson comes out and goes, wow. And then pokes his head back into his cell. Yep. And then you just hear, meatloaf, ma. See? Yep. I can cameo too. (laughs) And then our rock opera, see how I went right back into it? Oh, that was a flawless transition. (laughs) You don't don't have to have a segue if you just ham fist your next statement in there. Uh, and then they, so basically they smoke raisins and they all get high and Gandhi meets the two headed Olsen twin monster. Uh, and she's like, it is I, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. And then she says, you can have any of my treasures you want, except for that amulet, which was given to me by Dave Coulier, a dear (laughs) friend. Actually, you can have it. (laughs) And then Gandhi takes it and goes, wow, there's an inscription on the back cut it out anyway that's a great episode definitely binge until you get there then the next one so i'm just gonna cut you off real quick for a fun fact about dave coulier he's not canadian what (laughs) is that what you were gonna say oh no is he really Uh, not canadian though no he's really not canadian oh jesus my whole world just shattered that's what happened to me when someone told me that and i was like no but no but but he but he is (laughs) I just responded with, hey, Rocky, with my hands next to my ears. So if you go to Dave Coulier's website, he has, first of all, he has a website. Second of all, (laughs) he has a store set up on his website, and he sells a product called Gladstones, which which look like rocks he just found in his backyard, drew a face on, and mails them out to you. Now, I would buy these if he actually mailed them to me. Oh, he probably just throws them in, like, a pile, and his publicist does it for him. Oh, see, like, I don't even need him to write me a note. I just want to know that he put it in the box. That I just want to know he has nothing better to do with his time <laughs> and, than uh, mail rocks to people. Than to FedEx you a rock. Uh, good, good Dave. Good guy Dave. Poor Dave. <laughs> what has he done other than piss off Alanis Morissette and Full House? Uh, he's done Fuller House. Yeah, you got me there. Yeah. His career really took off. So at my college, he was actually the uh, like spring comedian. This was like a year or two before I got there. And apparently, I'm saying allegedly because Dave Coulier, don't sue me. Uh, he allegedly made a joke about a kid in a wheelchair and then said, hey, come on, everybody. Let's give him a rolling ovation. That's pretty funny. That's a See, that's a very Dave Coulier thing, I think. Yeah. I feel, and look, I am not, I will say it again, I am not saying that you should go around making fun of people in wheelchairs, but I will say that's not the first time he's heard something like that. No, not at all. Like, it's not that mean that a washed up E-list celebrity mentioned to a room of people that you were in a wheelchair. Yeah, like, you could, if... If that ever happens to you, just throw back at him a Gladstone that you purchased from him. (laughs) There you go. And ask for a refund. I mean, it's not like we're going to get Dave Coulier out of society. We just put Mel Gibson in the sequel that didn't need to be made. Uh, What's a horror? I forget the name of it. Oh, um, Passion of the Christ 2. That's it. Yeah. I thought it was really bold decision to have Will Ferrell as uh, Judas and Mark Wahlberg as Pontius Pilate. If it was me, I'd have switched him. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do? I thought it was ironic that uh, Mel Gibson plays Jesus again, considering he had that whole tirade about Jewish people. 
Wait, did he? Yeah. What did he What did he say about Jewish people? He was like drunk and got pulled over by a cop, and a cop was just like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Ah, oh, Jews." He said, "Ah, oh, Jews." Um, among other things, I think he <laughs> it said, sounds like you're doing a really bad John Travolta impression. Ah, Jews. <laughs> that is my impression of John Travolta sneezing. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> and good night. And good night. <laughs> 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 you know when they say you need a tight 15 they don't mean seconds right oh damn yeah that's all right keep working on it i will i'll figure out my other john travolta impressions i never do this but let's get back on track <laughs> all right <laughs> and then we have the episode where joan and cleo um fight with each other because they're living together and uh this episode's really good because they take each other's clothes off ow Next, we have uh, Ponce de Leon is on it, and he, basically, it's like an anti-littering parody, and then Ponce de Leon dies, and JFK is super sad about it, and he says, why couldn't Ponce have three lives like Mario? <laughs> because <laughs> it was 2002. Uh, and then we had our very special holiday episode, which I really enjoyed. It had some like claymation parody kind of stuff in there. Um, this to me is a very ahead of the times kind of, I think this episode would kill now. So if you think about how everyone was mad about saying Christmas back in 2003, that's nothing like how mad everyone is about saying Christmas now. Yeah. And I'm Jewish and I love Mel Gibson. So... I'm not offended by Christmas, but I think this episode would do very well. And then it's our two-parter. And by the way, I believe Snowflake Day, the holiday one, is the last one that we got in America. Okay, so we didn't get the the last, what was it, two episodes? Yep, two-part finale, makeover, 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 the makeover episode, and changes, colon, the big prom, uh, changes, colon, the big prom colon the sex romp colon the season final. Um, this was basically <laughs> says one of my favorite cliffhanger endings of any TV show ever, because Abe actually started officially dating Cleo back in episode five ish, um, but he's kind of starting to realize what's going on with Joan also, and so at the end of the first part of the finale, he goes, "Will you go to the prom with me?" and then it ends and you're like did was he gonna say joan or was he gonna say cleo he just said jukla and then it comes back for part two and he goes jukla <coughs> sorry i had a tickle will you go to the prom with me joking aside i would like it and then he ends up going with cleo and then joan ends up hooking up with jfk and then they all get flash frozen in the freezer because the board of shadowy figures tries to come to take the clones away from Scudworth. Ha. Huh. The end. Also, I will say that was the episode that had John Stamos in it. Correct. Because John Stamos beat out, he went to high school with Principal Scudworth and beat him out for prom king. Okay. And so Scudworth is mad about it. You know, this is a very, very full house heavy episode. Because of? Because John John Stamos, Dave Coulier, the Olsen twin monster. Well, you said episode, but I think you mean show. That's what I meant. Those are words. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not like you have a podcast where you only talk about TV shows and should know the difference. It's okay. I just had a stroke. It's fine. Whoa. I, hey, good for you. You just kept on going, and I, I admire that. Thank you. You know, time loss is brain loss. So I figure the longer I wait, the more brain I get. Is that how that works? I think that's it. Okay. If time loss is brain loss, then you if you don't use the time at all, you get bigger brain. Yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. Do me a favor, and when you start making merch for your show, instead of going with t-shirts and things like that, just go straight with the book of these sayings that you keep putting in conversation as if they were real things. <laughs> and I'll throw off... It comes with a first aid kit. For when Perfect. you try, when you have a stroke from reading or an aneurysm. <laughs> yeah, when you have a stroke, all you need is a Band-Aid and some Bactine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that is all of Cloneheim. That is my second favorite television show of all time. And I cannot stress enough, if you love 21 or 22 Jump Street, the Lego movie, Clatter the Chance of Meatballs, um, anything that they've ever done, the upcoming Spider-Man animated series, they're doing a musical, all kinds of stuff. If you like any of them or think any of this sounds interesting, I would love to see a huge surge of people rewatching the show because maybe they'll bring it back. None of the cast is really doing anything right now, and I feel bad saying that. Nicole Sullivan's on that new show on Netflix that's not very good, so I'm sure she would find a way to get away from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, plus it's Netflix, so. You're making some really good points. Yeah, I think that's our way in to getting them back on Netflix. I like it. Oh, because they know Nicole Sullivan. Yeah. And by the way, we're on the subject of Netflix. Hulu, your new UI sucks. Yeah, I don't like the fact, because originally they wouldn't care if you had like two or three people using the same account at once. And now they're like, nah, fuck that. Pay us money or just do one at a time. Mm-hmm. And then do we really need the background to strobe light when I'm pressing down to look for a certain show? Like, is that necessary? Yeah. Also, I don't like the fact that when I launch the app, it does a fucking, like, THX sound effect, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, Hulu's super proud of themselves. And do we need you to ask me if I want to upgrade my Hulu plan every time I launch the app when I already have the no-ad Hulu plan? That's all the money you're going to get from me. Yeah, you don't need Showtime or any of that. No, because I already have Showtime. I'm not a, look, I'm a proud, uh, what's the opposite of cord cutter? Cord plugger cord i'm a cord plugger i don't want that to be something someone can isolate (laughs) replay i'm a cord plugger um but i have showtime and and hbo and all that kind of stuff and i i don't know man like say at one time when i launch the new interface that that is an option send me an email maybe but don't ask me every time i start it up hulu come on hulu get it together yeah and amazon prime Dude, you don't have enough stuff for me. <laughs> like, I'm really enjoying Comrade Detective, but I don't think I want... I haven't even watched the new Tick yet because Amazon Prime is just so underwhelming as a thing. Yeah, not just that. The Tick, they were just like, oh, we're going to split season one into two parts and you only get six episodes. Did they do that? They did. Why did they do that? Because they hate America. And by the way, Patrick Warburton is the best tick. Like, you didn't have to try again. I mean, he is the best tick, but this new guy, I forget his name. It's Peter Strombogombolis or something. 
Strombogombolus. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say Stormare, but that's not the same person. Oh, my God. Hey, by the way, that's my least favorite person in existence. Peter Stormare. <laughs> like, A, pick an accent, and B, stop being in literally everything. Yeah, when you, like, go from VW commercials to Prison Break to 22 Jump Street, I mean, are you just, like, throwing, a, like, a dart at a dartboard saying, what am I going to be in next? I think he is, because then I got whatever that dumb game, I couldn't even finish it because it's so boring, um, but the one where you're, like, it's spooky and you have to walk around and make decisions and hope your people don't die. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. Um, Fuck, I forgot what it's called, too, but I know what you're talking about, where he's, like, the psychologist. Yes, and he just randomly pops up by slamming on the table, and then he talks to you in his stupid, drunk, whatever accent he's using. And then I get Destiny 2, and they have this pick a clan and do challenges for your clan, and the one clan I happen to pick is him as the head of the clan, or faction, I guess, because clan is another thing. And it's like, really, you're in Destiny 2 as a singular side character hanging out in an airplane hangar? Oh, I can't stand him. Anyway, thanks for setting me off. That was really rude. Oh, no, that was that was exactly what we needed. We needed uh, a new segment called Storm Air Hate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anytime wait. you want to do that, let me know. Okay, I can think of a better title. Um, Storm Air Watch. Like Storm Watch? Nah, that one didn't work. Okay, so we're going to take a quick little break, and then we'll be back <laughs> with our pitches. Do you ever wonder what would happen if you had a robot select three random elements and then gave those elements to pretend entrepreneurs and then those pretend entrepreneurs use those things to inspire amazing pitches? Hi, I'm Derek, host of The Wild Pitch, and I'll tell you what would happen. You get an absurdist Shark Tank style show called The Wild Pitch. New episodes every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever podcasts are found. All right, so Phil, had this show made it past season one what kind of episodes do you think we would have seen i have th- three that came to mind and like i like i kind of hinted before i what i love about the show is the dead on like parody aspect of it like every episode is a parody of a certain kind of thing medium or format or whatever so i kind of i wanted to continue that through into my pitches so in the ADD episode, we find out that Gandhi is in a dance troupe called the Gandhi and the Solid Gandhi Dancers, where in which he was the treasurer, which is one of my favorite jokes of all time, because you would think his name is in the group. He should be more than just the treasurer. Um, so they're competing to get to nationals. That's the premise. Okay. Uh, and then the first <laughs> first couple rounds, they go and they win and they go and then they go to the rival dance squad, Antonio de Alua and the going platinum dance troupe. He's the guy that discovered platinum, hence my pun. Ah. Uh, uh, and then they're going competition. It's kind of neck and neck. It looks like it go either way. Joan of Arc stops the competition to protest how it objectifies women. But when President Dog, who won the presidential election, growls at her, the audience boos her off the stage, and then Gandhi loses right away. That sounds very, very much like what would happen to Gandhi. Yep. It's kind of my, 
you know, this would have been before Pitch Perfect came out. So I would have like nailed it. And people would have been like, oh, Pitch Perfect. That's just like Clone High episode. That's exactly what they would have said. On the back of the DVDs, it would have said, <laughs> eh, it's like that Clone High episode. <laughs> it would start with, eh. Yeah. <laughs> See, I like a good quote that doesn't commit whatsoever. <laughs> I can only hope that one day a movie review critic will say, eh. And that's it. And that's it. Pretty good. I'd watch that movie. I would watch it just to see if it really was just eh. That's how I felt like I wanted to go see, and then I did go see, um, Happy Death Day because I have a unhealthy obsession with bad movies. And I thought for sure this movie was going to be terrible. And... So then I left the theater and I was like, eh, it's pretty good. And that made me mad. <laughs> like I was mad about it. That's what it. I keep hearing. Everybody keeps saying like, it's not that bad. Yeah. It really bummed me out. Well, I mean, it's coming towards Christmas. I'm sure there's going to be a few more stinkers. Like you got, you got daddy's home too. Ugh. Yeah. I got the, uh, cell block 99. Yeah. Cell block 99. Uh, I mean, there's, there's Jigsaw, and if the last few Saw movies proved anything, you're in for something. <laughs> I think they all adequately proved that you will see something when you watch them. Something will be presented in front of your eyes. I think it... I've heard that the kills are pretty brutal in it, but in the trailer, like, they're sitting in a what looks like a ball pit, and then he pulls on a string, and then, like, bike parts fall out of the sky onto them. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm sold right then and there i don't understand anything that i'm looking at but it looks awesome oh also that like weird laser beam collar that's on the dude's neck yeah oh yeah because because <laughs> shock collars you know they weren't having the same effect no you gotta you gotta throw that laser cage above their heads by the way if i was ever gonna be a rapper i think i would go with um laser cage as my rapper name that's a that's a fair one. That is a fair fair rap name. Ooh, or the <laughs> uh, the ebonic plague. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that one's better, right? Yeah, All I right. think you should go with the second one. All right, ebonic. Just call me that from now on. Okay. So do you have you want to alternate pitches here? Ah, uh, sure. I only have two, so I will go next. So a new kid's gonna show up at Clone High, and his name is Billy Shakespeare. So he shows up and he upstages JFK and Bill because Cleo is into writers. So they try and sabotage him and they're like, oh, we'll help you with your English paper. Why don't you just make up all these like stupid words? And he does. And his English teacher is like, wow, this is brilliant. I never thought to use the word elbow. So he gets an A. So that fun fact, William Shakespeare apparently invented the word elbow um yeah that is fun yeah so they give him an a and jfk and Abe are super sad but then cleo shows up she's like oh yeah that just kind of ended real quick and billy is very sad that they're broken up so he writes writes a play called cleo and billyette to try and get her back but that it doesn't work i like it thank you it's very not only is it very clone high but it's very Shakespeare also. Why, thank you. I always love to be compared to Shakespeare. Except for when they say, like, oh, your living status is that of Shakespeare. Right. 
Yeah, he wouldn't want that. What I love about Shakespeare, and I genuinely love Shakespeare, by the way, and I know you wouldn't really expect it because of how um, uneducated I seem, but <laughs> I, what I love about Shakespeare is that just genuinely no one gets it because he wasn't smart. He wasn't like this kind of, I almost said Oscar Wilde-esque, but it seems weird to compare him to someone who wouldn't exist for another hundred years. Um but he wasn't like he was literally the American Pie screenwriters of his time. But lost in translation, you know, because we all know much ado about nothing in his in Shakespearean slang. Nothing is slang for vagina because you have to belittle women when you talk, right? So you either have a penis or you have nothing. So Much Ado About Nothing was this kind of sex romp about men who just wanted to get some. And then he would throw in phrases like, um, you know, you have to watch your country matters. If you take the the R-Y off of country, you have that word. Uh, but it, like he was very much like teen sex romp writer, but no one really got it. And then now we have this. Like, look, stop teaching kids that Romeo and Juliet is love. Romeo was like 30 in that movie, and Juliet was like 12. And by movie, I mean play. Yeah, and like, they've known each other for like two days. Yes. <laughs> and then they both kill themselves. Yeah, I think, was it Juliet that kills herself first, or was it Romeo? She fakes it. She fakes oh, oh, of course she does. Right. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any personal experience with that, but I've heard that that's something that does happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, she should have just cut her losses. I would have been like, ew, there's a dead guy. I'm out of here. Right. Or they should have been like, oh, I know that when people die, they poop. <laughs> and this person has not pooped, so they're not dead. So I'll just hang out for a second. You know, that's that's actually how uh, EMTs judge if a patient is DOA or not. They do they a diaper check? <laughs> yeah, they just uh, do a quick little, like, sniff. And if they don't smell the duty, then they got to get on duty. hey oh. But two different kinds of duties in that scenario, right? Yes. Yes, okay. Call of Duty. They had to play Call of Duty in the ambulance Dude. on the way to the hospital. You super stoked for this new Call of Duty? We've gone full circle. We have so dumb anyway that's our gaming podcast <laughs> that's our call of duty update <laughs> you heard it here first uh in my next episode time has passed and it is now the second annual clone high film fest so unlike her first film joan decides to forego all subtlety she casts abe lincoln in her film about how much she loves abe lincoln again we're foregoing subtlety Gandhi chastises Joan about how sequels are easy and that makes her a lazy filmmaker. And in order to prove it to her, he's going to make a sequel to Black and Tan. So Joan gets wind of Gandhi's scheme and she doesn't want to be a lazy filmmaker. So she doubles production values for her movie, desperate to prove Gandhi wrong and show that she can still have a vision even though it's a sequel. She does everything possible to write a film that doesn't retread anything covered in the first film which leads to an extremely cliched romantic comedy. Gandhi gets wind of Jones's plan with the increased production budget and decides to add a live performance aspect to his, which is, again, a buddy cop movie. 
So at the premiere, Abe Lincoln is in his fancy balcony seat as the guest of honor when Gandhi bursts into the theater with his toy gun. So he's essentially the John Wilkes Booth? Yes. Okay. I'm just going for like kind of a real classy, a class assassination joke, you know? I like it. I think all assassination jokes handled with class can be acceptable. Yeah. I think you're right. Insert joke about the band and the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Are you are you referencing Franz Ferdinand? That yeah. that that sings the hit song. Oh jeez. Um Do you want me to tell you? Uh, oh, hold on. I got this. Hold on. Okay. It starts with a note. Hmm. Oh, the take me out. Okay. There it is. There it yep. is. <laughs> That's an interesting process that you have there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, not conventional, but it works. Yeah, you proved me wrong. You stalled me just long enough for you to look it up. Oh, I didn't do that. Wink. Yeah, you, you can't see the wink through the microphone. <laughs> I'm going to get real up close and you're going to hear some weird squishy sounds. That's me winking. Ugh. Do you have no eyelashes? I do have eyelashes. I have okay. at least like seven of them. They just point inward? They do. Okay. They stab me in the eyes every time I blink. It's horrible and I hate it. Yeah. Oh, well, nothing you can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> so my next episode, um, Abe and Gandhi form a band because there's going to be a battle of the bands at school. And they get Mozart. And Mozart and Abe kind of clash creatively. But Gandhi wants to win. So he sides with Mozart. Abe leaves. And he enlists the help of Alexander Hamilton, who's going to be played by Lin-Manuel Miranda, to, mm. to join his band. Pretty good. Yeah. And Hamilton goes off book and starts doing a rap about Joan, and, because she has a cru- he has a crush on Joan. And Abe's going to get a little jealous and kind of like push him off the stage, which leads to them losing the Battle of the Bands. Gandhi and Mozart win, and Gandhi like apologizes and he snaps the trophy in half to give part of it to Abe. And Mozart gets pissed because, like, that half is his trophy. So he vows to get revenge. And in a post credit scene, Van Gogh, who hates Gandhi, as we saw in the first episode, mm-hmm. shows up and he's like, I'd like to talk to you about the Revenger Initiative. And then it just ends. That's pretty good. Thank you. When does it, what year does this episode come out? Um, it's a time travel episode, so it goes into the future. Yes, when they realize the Avengers movie has been made, and then they come back. I like it. A lot of depth, a lot of layers there. A lot of layers. Well, it's winter when this episode takes place, so they need a lot of layers. layers. Does uh, Van Gogh have an eye patch over his missing ear? He does. (laughs) I didn't think about that, but he sure (laughs) as hell does. (laughs) Lock it in. Locked in. I like that one. That one's the winner so far. And uh, my second one's stronger than my third one, so I feel like that's going to be the all-around winner. Uh, I mean, I think your second one's very good. Aw, you're only saying that because you have to. I don't have to say anything. I could just edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Yep, you have all the control. Teenage Tom Selleck starts going to Clone High. There's a lot of jokes in the episode, kind of winks and nudges about how he shouldn't go to this school because he's still alive. Then all the other kids bully him. They call him names and they're hitting him. 
the bullying gets worse and worse. And then Tom Selleck stands up in front of the school at an assembly and gives a speech about anti-bullying and how you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And then, in a twist ending, we find out that he was actually turned into a teenager while filming the 17 Again sequel. <laughs> so it's real Tom Selleck? Yes. Okay. But as a real teenager. Okay. I like it. See what I say? It's not quite cloning, but it's still strange. It's almost like how in Harry Potter they make fun of Hermione because she's only half a witch. Uh, sure. How they call her a muggle. Did you not see Harry Potter? No, I, I wouldn't be caught dead watching Harry Potter. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well you, you, that's a good argument. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go watch it. Could anyone... Well, I'm sure there are certain people that own vans and sunglasses, but could anyone have predicted how hot she was going to eventually become? Who? uh, Emma Watson? Yeah. No, not at all. Because I fell asleep during the first one, so I saw the first... um, When do we first see um, Harry Potter? In 2001? Well, I mean, like, in the first movie. Like, how far into it? Oh, like, he's, like almost immediate okay that's when i fell asleep okay um but then i woke up at the end and i was like oh look at this weird i mean she looks like a like a cat lady like her hair is all crazy and she's little and i don't know no one could have predicted that that's all i'm saying if she looked like a broom yes but well no i'm not gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) never never mind but you can infer what i was going to say (laughs) Yeah. See, I felt the same way about the first Lord of the Rings. I couldn't watch it. I fell asleep. Oh, look, the first Lord of the Rings, if you genuinely in your heart believe it to be a good movie by itself, you're wrong. But those people that are like, I watched the extended five hour version four times in a row and it took up a whole day. Like, it does. That's math. But. <laughs> Like, I don't understand how someone can objectively enjoy the movie that is the weakest of the trilogy. When the, like, if that was the first one that came out, you could be like, yeah, this is cool because it's new and it's like the books. But then when the second one and the third one came out, you're allowed to admit that the first one wasn't that good. Yeah. You don't have any loyalty to it at that point. Yeah, that's what, see, thank you. Like, people let it go. Not like Frozen, but like, that like i right. feel like john wick 2 wasn't that good oh, i haven't seen it yet oh it's great you should watch it oh cool <laughs> <laughs> but i think I... we are allowed to dynamically change our opinions on movies when better movies come out or worse movies come out yeah like citizen kane like i can't watch that that movie's garbage but yes. they hold it on such a high pedestal no citizen kane sucks kramer versus kramer sucks the exorcist sucks they all might have been good at the time, but yep. Yeah, I mean, when movies first started, you know, they have that whole story about the train coming out of the screen and people freaking out because they thought they were going to hit by a real train. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Like, it, audience members back then who were real dumb dumbs <laughs> were really going to hold our opinions to what we thought of these movies back in a time when people thought a train was going to burst through a screen. Yeah. The, I, I can't imagine what their thought process was because you can't build a train track overnight like true where did they think it where did they think it came from yeah 
and I can't build one at all. Same. I've, I know that there's like metal, and I know you hammer stuff. There's also, I think, some wood. See, but what do you metal, like, what do you nail to? Are you nailing the metal to the wood? I think so. Or the so. wood to the ground? I mean, at this point, just take a car. Thank you. You can get an Uber. Or a hovercraft. Exactly. Or a hoverboard. Yes, but not... Not the wheel ones. Right. Like the ones that, like, Marty McFly... Shakes around on. on? Oh. Shakes around on, yes. <laughs> you wow, know this that just phrase. came full circle. <laughs> we did it. End on a callback. <laughs> so I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Phil, would you like to do a quick little plug for your show? I'd love to. We are, uh, again, it's called My Thing Can Beat Your Thing, a uh, show in which we each pick a thing and then debate about which thing can be which thing. Like he said, we had 60% of Jason Statham versus the Loch Ness Monster. We've got a Peacock versus the first season of Pokemon on VHS. We just did High Fructose Corn Syrup versus Homework. So if you like wacky battles uh, and even wackier ways to fight, like to plead your case, then uh, check that show out. We're on Twitter at ThingBeatsThing and www.MyThingCanBeatYourThing.com. Yep, I can't recommend it enough. And it's like the... Your show is the perfect length for my commute. So every time it comes out, I'm like, oh, yes, I got something to listen to the entire way to work. And then I'm all good. Sync because you don't leave work. Exactly. I yep. live there. We did that on purpose for commutes. And so when we sell it as a television show, it's already 30 minutes and there's no work to do. There you go. You just uh, send it to the animators. And yep. <laughs> they, they do their thing. Uh, so follow our stuff. So we got Twitter at unaired podcast go on facebook we're unaired podcast and on Insta- instagram surprise we're unaired podcast check out our website unairedpodcast.com it's a thing that exists um i think that's it uh thank you phil for coming on it was a very fun episode i had a good time thank you for having me you're welcome so uh i'm ed and i'm phil oh wow that was a spooky echo mm-hmm yeah, so just remember, some things are better left unaired. Bye. Bye. Testing. Can anyone hear me? My name is Toby, and I'm the host of the Secret Transmission Podcast. We are a show that discusses the paranormal, conspiracies, the supernatural, UFOs, cryptozoology, and anything else weird. Our show is transmitted to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter for updates, at Secret Transpod. So get ready to put on your tinfoil hats and come learn with us as we try to explain the unexplainable. <laughs>